But I'm reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to begin with verse 1. This know also. So here's the, the warning about prophecy and the and the time, this the time of prophecy. This know that in the last days perilous times shall come. Could you say amen? In the last time, perilous times shall come. And this word perilous is, is only used twice in the New Testament. It is a, an interesting ancient Greek word that is probably best translated dangerous. The last days are going to be very, or violent even. The only other time it's used is in Matthew where the, the, uh, uh, the boy was possessed of a devil and it was called, uh, I think, I forget how it's translated in the king, I think violent. That'd be a good way to translate it. And so he says that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now the title of my message this morning is how to know that it is the last of the last days. How to know that it is the last of the last days. And I'm going to read one more verse before we're seated. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. And we'll stop there. Could we, could we pray one more time? Put your Bibles down. Let's pray that God will speak to our hearts. For, Father, we are so grateful for the presence of God. Lord, we thank you that we can walk the road that you've placed in front of us. And we can do the will of God, Lord, in the midst of difficult times. And I believe, Lord, that you are speaking to this church in this hour, Lord, to be an effective witness in the last days. And we thank you, Lord. Touch each heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Praise God and amen. Well, please be seated. Uh, I'd like to speak to you for a very brief moment, not nearly as long as I would need to preach the message that's on my heart. But I think I can uh, convey the divine appointment that we have for these moments here on this beautiful Sunday morning, and it truly is a beautiful Sunday morning. We're encouraged at what the Lord is doing. I don't think I've ever been more encouraged at, at God and what he's done. And I encourage you today to trust God. I know you may be facing things that you are, uh, that you're wondering about. I mean, we just had, uh, and I'm, I can, I told our sister that was just here, I never forget a name, and I've already, I've already got her name wrong, so I'm not going to try to say it and get it wrong. I like to say a name right. Uh, I wouldn't want to be called Talage when that's not my name. But uh, here we have someone just, this is what I believe God is wanting to do before we even get in the altar. They've got the Holy Ghost, they're speaking in tongues, they've been healed, the Lord has already accomplished what he said he wanted to do. That's what God is doing. We're, we're in a time when we cannot have a business as usual. We can't just play church and, and go through the motions. And neither can we be a church of compromise. A church that is compromising will be caught in the last days in a very, very difficult place. In fact, the Bible says in verse 2 here, and so leave it open. I may read a few more verses. For men shall be lovers of what? Their own selves. Now, folks, I'm reading the Bible, and I am not going to stutter. I am telling you that the message of the last day and the reality of the last days is that men will be lovers of themselves. 
There's going to be a generation that comes about that is going to be lovers of their own selves. And I, I like the King James, so I'm, I'm going to stick right with it. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. And this, of course, will be the basis of compromise. You always compromise or backslide and become worldly based on the idea that you know everything. Men will be lovers of their own selves. And you will know better than the Bible. But I tell you today, it is advantageous to you to allow the Holy Spirit to get a hold of you in this hour like you have never felt his touch before. And notice how this impacts everything, causing that last day generation, the Bible says, to be covetous. And now I'm reading right there from the same verse. Boasters, proud blasphemers, there are four I'm going to stop because I don't, I don't intend to just read every word, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. The reason I, I decided to grab those four and throw them into the mix is that they uh, illustrate that <clears throat> they care more about themselves and their own pride than they do the foundations of ministry and what the old timers have preached. And we are living in a day when people are very happy to take the old path and throw it away and say, I don't need it anymore. Man, I'm wearing some fine suits and I'm wearing some sharp shoes. But I'm going to tell you, in the last days, it's going to take more than a good wardrobe to make it in the kingdom of God. God has called the church in this hour. Hallelujah. He has called the church in this hour to stand firm in the old paths. Now, those who love themselves will take the sacred and use it to promote themselves. They always have done it. It has always been. Even if they have to justify it by all manner of sin, to get credit, to let the light shine on them, to step into the spotlight. And I, and I know that I'm not saying that we need to just sit back like a little uh, shy little things and, oh, poor me, I'm, I, I don't want to be in the spotlight. I'm not suggesting that there's anything wrong with men with great abilities and so forth. But the problem with the last days is that we must put our confidence in God. We must put our confidence in the power of God. And when we do, the Lord will send the answer. It is not about our own talents and our own abilities. I don't care if you've got a PhD and you've got a hundred million dollars. That does not promote you in the sight of God. Verse 7 and 8. Now notice I'm reading and I'm going, I'm hurrying because I, there are a couple things I must say this morning. Verse 7 and 8. Ever learning and never, do you see that? Verse 7. I've skipped over everything because I realize I, 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 just, I just have to. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Of course, it's always about truth. It's always about truth. And then verse 8 says, Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also. Do you see it? So do these also. In other words, right now, uh, Paul is telling Timothy, right now, these also resist the truth. The problem in the last days, of course, is always resisting truth. Trying to have something, be religious, and tell God to go take a hike. It doesn't matter what God thinks about it. I've got my own way. i got my money. Got my Everything's going to be fine. But I want to tell you something, friends. God is going to be God. Whatever men may say, God will remain God. Forevermore, he will be God. So, friend, don't be fooled in these last days by those who forsake the old paths. Don't think that it's smart and intelligent just because they walk away from what is true. 
It will be a generation uninterrupted by the truth. They cannot be bothered with someone telling them, well, the Bible says thus and well, everybody has their interpretation. So they forsake it to gain their own selfish ends. But truth will march forward, my friend. In fact, truth is marching forward. Even as we are in this house today, the spirit of the Lord is leading. In fact, the spirit of God is speaking to my heart today to warn this church as the apostle did and this beautiful group that in these last days, the deception of the day will be that holiness no longer matters. But that is a false sermon. It is neither biblical nor true. Oh, someone said, you can't grow, you can't move to the next level, Reverend, unless you compromise. Well, that's also false, my friend. You can grow in anywhere at any time if you preach holiness. Holiness is what God is. God is holy. Praise God. Did you know that the largest oneness church in the United States is a holiness church? Home to thousands of members, yet holiness is preached and respected. I said the largest oneness church. The largest oneness church. I did research on it just to see. I interviewed the pastors. I, I've, uh, I've done statistical numbers. And the largest apostolic church in America preaches holiness strong. So that tells me. I mean, it doesn't prove everything, but it, it certainly does prove this. That if you're preaching holiness and you can be the largest and have thousands of members that it doesn't stop people from becoming a part of the kingdom of God. Now, do not doubt it. Holiness is under attack. Do not doubt it for one minute. Up in Northern California is a great uh, place or area for hunting. I forget the name of it, but I think it's called the Tahoma. That's probably wrong, but sounds good. Tahoma Wildlife. I believe that's what it's called. We lived in Sacramento. Sister Vera's from Sacramento originally. And now she's, she's a Georgian, but she was originally from, uh, well, that's, Sacramento's basically Northern California. And uh, it's famous. If you go way north, get up into the hills there. I don't mean up in the mountains to the right, but straight north, it's, it gets amazing trees. And there was uh, this wildlife refuge is famous for hunting all kinds of large game. And uh, this gentleman, I believe his name was uh, Rathman. Uh, you can find his story. It's, I didn't, uh, I've read it several times. It's just, it's an actual account. In fact, there's a book that includes his story in it. Because he's a wildlife, uh, works for them some way. I, I don't know exactly. I, I, I don't recall all that. I'm not uh, trying to get a perfect story, but... I wanted to re refer to this event in uh, 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 Rathman's story in the uh, wildlife refuge in Northern California. He was climbing up a uh, very steep embankment, and uh, it was pretty pretty challenging anyway. But uh, <clears throat> it, it was quite rocky. It was very uh, s a slope. He was trying to get a better view, and I think the idea was he was hunting deer. And he 
and uh, he was trying to get an advantage, a vantage point where he could see and they would come out. It was just, it was a hunting advantage. And uh, as he was raising his head, he sort of climbed up, got, you know, it's very, you got to understand this is not a little hill. It was a, it was basically a mountain. And he got to the point and he reached up like this and uh, peered over the, the ledge. When suddenly he sensed movement, and now I'm reading his, I'm just reading his story. He sensed movement to the right of his face, which of course, you don't really want that. And at lightning speed, a rattler struck him in the face head on. But he was somehow able to dart whatever, and the rattler, let me keep reading because the story's interesting. I don't want to miss it. The, the, The rattler got his, instead of getting a hold of the fella, uh, Rathman, he got his fangs in the turtleneck of his sweater like this and couldn't get out. That's just, to me, a nightmare. I'm reading to you a nightmare as far as I'm concerned. The fangs got snagged in the neck of his wool turtleneck. I'm reading now from his account. And the force of the strike caused the snake to land on his left shoulder where it then wrapped itself around his neck. The rattles, I'm, I'm just going to read a little bit because I, I don't know why. I, sh- I should stop, but it just I'm going to read a little more. The rattles, <laughs> I better stop this. The rattles were making a furious racket. He grabbed it with his left hand and its venom ran down his neck. Then he lost his grip and fell backwards, sliding headfirst down a steep slope of lava rock, which is quite, as you know, sharp, and and things were not looking good at that point. And, of course, he has a rattlesnake wrapped around his neck. His rifle and binoculars were bouncing beside him and ended up wed- and he ended up wedged between some rocks upside down and the rattler was still caught in his uh, turtleneck. So he used his uh, gun to pry the teeth out of his sweater, which he did, and he thought he had the snake out when he looked up to fling the snake from his neck, when the snake hit him right in the face and did so a dozen times. Hit him beneath his eye, he says. Well, I know some of you are already asking, what is this all about? Now, First of all, I want to draw a couple parallels. I think you're picking up that this snake had the advantage. It could strike at will because there was no way he had the strength to do anything about the snake. It was repeatedly hitting him and about to break the bone in his face. And he could get no strength in his arms. 
even though he had freed the snake from his neck. And this is what he said, and I want to quote uh, Rathman. I don't remember his first name. I quote, This chap and I, sounds British, were eyeball to eyeball. And I found out that rattlesnakes don't blink. Which is true. Later I checked on it. They do not blink. They don't have a blinking mechanism. The only way he got out of this face-off was to literally choke the rattler to death. Now, I'm not planning on getting into rattlesnake business of any kind at all. But I was curious about it because I didn't think you could choke a rattler. I mean, I'm just being honest. I, I thought to myself, that is not, that, that's not possible. You can't choke a rattler to death. But guess what? It is possible. It is possible. How he knew it, I don't know. And I know it's gruesome and I, I need to move on. But I want you to know that the spirit exemplified in the battle of that wildlife preserve is the same as the spirit of these last days. We are living in a day when you are a fool if you play around with that old snake called the devil. You need to tell that old serpent, get behind me, Satan. Leave my children alone. I have made my bid and I am on my way to heaven and I'm not backing down. Whatever it takes, I'm going to preach this. You need to be very careful, my friend. You need to understand that holiness is not an option. I know the popular uh, semantics of the day is to say, well, you know, we'll just invent our own holiness. But I tell you today that it is God that has given this church its authority and God has given us his holiness. We are living in the time when it may take some young people to get a hold. I asked Sister French, uh, so today... I know it's not easy. We got a lot. Got a missionary coming tonight. Thank God. Everybody say praise the Lord. Glad for that. I said, Sister French, we're going to have a little chat today after service with all of uh, our music team because we're going to talk about what this platform represents and where we have drawn the standard. Everyone say the standard. The standard is there because it needs to be the standard. And we need to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let the holiness of God get a hold of my heart and my life. And I'm going to let God talk to my life in these last days. I'm not going to let this world do it. So it is very important, I believe, that this last day generation be careful. And you 
had not better think that it's going to back away or as the fella said, blink. It is not going to back away. No, it's not going to. Folks, we're getting ready for the coming of the Lord. We're not in a, oh, well, one of these days things will get easy. It's not going to get easy. But Jesus is coming and we're making ourselves ready for the coming of Jesus. I believe that God has called the church for this hour. God has called us to be a holy people in an ungodly generation. Our young people deserve a clear message against worldliness and against Hollywood. They deserve to hear the message clear and to know it. Remember that compromise leads only one place, and that's to more compromise, especially in the area of holiness. Someone said to me once, and I understood. I'm not talking flippantly. Well, sometimes compromise is good. I said, absolutely. There are times when there is such a thing as I need to compromise. Everyone knows that. It'd be. But what they were implying was that I now need to apply that to the Bible. No, no. No, you don't apply that to the Bible. Hallelujah. Praise God. No, I believe that we're going to have young people that will be strong in the Lord and that they will rise up in this hour and they will become champions. They will become leaders. And God is going to help us to stand for truth. You need to run to Jesus and trust in him in these last days. This church stands for holiness. That's why I've asked Sister French, I want you to sit down and let's let's just do it again. I want to tell you something, folks. I'm not one bit ashamed of the life of holiness that I'm living. I've got sons. No, now listen to me. I've got children sitting right here in this room. I think all of my children are here today. And, and I have not one day was I ever ashamed. I sat down with every one of them and I said, listen to that music. Is there anything in that music that you ought to be running from? Then you you need to pray about it. You need to get your life where you're in line with the Holy Ghost. I believe God has called us to this hour to be strong in the faith. I believe God does not want us to be ashamed of it. God wants us to be proud of the word of God. You say, Brother French, why don't you be detailed? Okay, let's be detailed. Let's spend this year detailing in our lives. This is an area that's not as holy as it should be. And so let's take the word of God and let's apply that to our lives. I believe in that. But I do not believe that Compromising with a vicious, fanged foe is going to get us anywhere. It is not the day to compromise. And I'm saying this, you can receive it or not receive it. I've already paid, I've already uh, paid the cost. I've told the Lord, I, I am willing, I, I receive full payment. I accept all obligation. If this is what you're saying to us, Lord, then let's receive it. Now, I've been wrestling with this long before this revival, but I knew that we needed to take it one step at a time. I am convinced, and I'm almost done, but I want you to hear me out. If we will stand for holiness now, 
we will stand in revival tomorrow. I am convinced of it. If we will do what is right today, your grandchildren will be rejoicing around the altars of the kingdom of God. If we do it now, we must stand for truth today and not back down because the spirit is drawing us. Now I want to admit, oh, I feel, oh, I'm feeling a release from it now. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. This is not an emotional appeal, although I'm very emotional. You have to kind of make, see the difference here. There's a difference between just being emotional to get an emotional. I am emotional, but I'm not doing it to get emotion because I'm not interested in emotion. I'm interested in delivering the word of the Lord here this morning. I see a future in which this church marches with the message that Brother Montgomery and others like him uh, Lester Parti, I've been tracing his life for the last several months. And uh, 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 who is the one over here? Uh, uh, Payne, J.T. Payne. I've been tracing, going online and tracing their family tree and getting the documents. These are men that brought the message to Georgia. Well, these are men I knew very little about. But I want to tell you something. I'm committed to the same thing these men were committed to. I'm committed to the same thing that our forefathers were committed to. And I am not about to trade it off for something else. Not when God has called me to my own generation to make a difference. Could we bow our heads together just for a moment? Heavenly Father, I know some have been wrestling. Lord, they've been wrestling with things that have been wrapped around their necks. And I pray right now for a deliverance of the Holy Ghost. I pray that lives that are struggling will be given, Lord, the power of God as never before. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Could we stand all across this building? I know we've got to go, but I want us to do this. Let, let's, let's be dismissed from the front of this auditorium. And I want us to pray for one another. Let's just come. We're, we, I'm not going to keep you. I, we're not worried about anything, music. Just They can come and sing, of course. But I just want us to come. And I want us to pray. We're just going to let's have a little song. Let's, let's believe God right now. Father, we thank you. Could we lift a hand to the Lord? Father, I believe that your spirit is drawing us today.